to Tea Time with Miss Liz. That's right, we're here this evening and we have the incredible Leslie James in the studio. And we've been really excited about this Tea Time because we booked back in February. That's right, like six months ago. And I can't wait to have her on here and share about Last Wishes Consulting. It really is a topic that we all deal with no matter who you are. Grief is something that affects us all. So we have the incredible Leslie James sitting in the back studio and she's going to join us and share a good strong cup of tea with all of you guys tonight. So before we get started, we're going to do all the good stuff. We're going to do disclaimers and a little bio and then we're going to get Leslie in here. We're going to spill a good strong TEA with all of you guys tonight on Tea Time with Miss Liz. So be sure to share this tea time, get it out there. And subscribe to the YouTube channel and you will be aware, uh, notified for all tea times going live as we are live now on this channel. So, disclaimer for Miss Liz's live tea time shows. Miss Liz, myself, is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any tea time show hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forward dialogues and opinions that are not representative of my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the giving time of airing. All tea time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussion for some where they may be emotionally at risk. It's significant to know that this show is engaging in discussion forums only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about the disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in tonight's show in any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you find that the show is not made for you at this time, I respect your wishes and will see you at a later show at a later date and time. Again, all tea time shows are hosted on Thursday, 10, 3, and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And... If it's not a Thursday, it's a re rescheduled tea time, uh, and that will be done on a Monday and a Tuesday. So, a little bit on Leslie James. Leslie James is a compassionate and end-of-life planner, educator, author, speaker, and founder of Last Wishes Consulting. She became a licensed Willow EOL educator and offers a variety of workshops to a global community. As a licensed funeral pre-planner with the bereaved Bereavement Authority of Ontario. She is a, she is honored to serve families in the province with pre-arrangements and aftercare. For she's a licensed Willow EOL educator, licensed funeral pre-planner with BAO Independent Associate PPLSI Grief Doula Certificate IDLM co-author under your light volume one and co-author of bold spirit caring for the dying for more on leslie's 
uh, bio. You can check it out on Miss Liz's Facebook page. And I'm going to get Leslie in here and I'm going to grab a cup of tea because my throat is a little itchy. So. Welcome, Leslie. Good evening, Miss Liz. How are you? Thank you for that warm welcome. I'm delighted to be here with you. I have uh, my special cup of tea as well in my cup that my daughter and my son gifted me on my on my coaster from from Jamaica. And so I'm all set. <laughs> well, we're bringing Canada and Jamaica in tonight, right? So it's like this afternoon, I told Brenda, I get to travel to Jamaica tonight, <laughs> I guess. So Leslie, it's been a couple of months since we booked us tea time and we have so much in common. So if you'd like to share with the audience and listeners out there, what do we have in common? Absolutely. You know, I just, I'm just can't believe I've been anticipating the state for so long. So, you know, we're both uh, touched by grief and loss, first of all. Um, we'll get into that. We are both uh, authors, uh, co-authors. We're both about educating and advocating for others. Uh, my favorite beverage is tea. And I am living here in Ontario since 1976 when I immigrated to Canada with my family. Wow. So you've been here for quite a while. So how old were you when you moved to Canada? Yeah, I was I was nine. I was nine. So yeah, there was just a lot of political unrest. And so we made uh, just outside of Toronto our home. And basically I've lived in Markham, Ontario, which is just north of, of Toronto. I've lived in Markham since 1999 and I became an end of life doula. EOL stands for end of life. So EOL is just the short form for end of life. So I have a degree in economics and my whole world got turned upside down and this is a calling for me. So I left uh, a corporate job and I went and I was drawn to do studies in hospice and funeral pre-planning, bereavement, grief, loss, death, dying. And I became an end-of-life doula and also a grief doula. A lot of people might not know what the word doula is. And did you want me to elaborate on that? Yeah, please. Because so a lot of people might not know yeah. what a grief doula is compared to a birth doula. Exactly. And there are so many different types of doula. Doula is the term, it's a Greek term, and it means one who serves or helps. So most people, you're right, have heard of a birth doula that helps uh, the mom and, and the family and the newborn as they enter the world. So a death doula or an end of life doula helps the person who's dying and their family as they are transitioning. But also a lot has to do with the preparation uh, for death, talking about death, grief literacy, death education, uh, end-of-life planning, and that's where I come in. An end-of-life doula or death doula in Canada and, and most of North America is not regulated yet. I'm hoping one day it will be, but I'm right now there are um, different, everyone brings different skills to the role. So I'm not doing any bedside. Uh, there are end-of-life doulas who will do bedside vigiling and maybe some uh, personal care. I'm not doing that. I'm more on the practical and spiritual and uh, emotional support uh, side of things. So but, yeah. no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so there are, you know, doulas, there are, there are grief. And then I was drawn to grief. So I did a certificate program with International Doula Life Movement, IDLM. And I have a grief, I'm a grief doula as well. And there are pet doulas, there are cancer doulas. So doula is just a, a Greek term. And the most common one that people have heard of is a birth doula, but end of life doula, death doula. I prefer end of life doula. It's a little bit uh, softer, but just sadly, we live in a death-fearing society. So, but death doula, end-of-life doula, grief doula—that's who I am. Well, you make up—you bring a good point, Leslie. The fear of death. Why are people so afraid of death? We should be born knowing that we're going to pass, right? Like, why? Why is the fear there? You know, and it's not just 
it's not every culture. I just find in Western society, for the most part, and not not everyone, it all, um, you know, it's 100 years ago, or more than 100 years ago, people used to die at home. You know, the living room was the, the room at the front of the house, uh, you know, it was kind of like a parlor, and there were home funerals, which are coming back. But we, I think, society is just you know grief is love so the more deeply you love and the loss of someone uh whether it's uh to kind of talk about the three p's whether it's a person okay uh you know person you lose your, your someone in your life dies um uh pregnancy and child loss and pet loss those are really difficult but there's other kinds of losses too. And I'm going to touch a bit about that if, if I may, uh, when we get through this conversation, but yes, this is my role and, and many end of life doulas and people in the bereavement sector is to empower people to have the conversation. There are decks of cards that can embrace it. There are, uh, I'm also Willow EOL or Willow end of life educator and planner. And I host workshops globally. There's 10 different workshops that I host. I just got through a whole series on that on Eventbrite. And one of them is how to stop procrastinating with end-of-life planning. You know, there's five-minute legacy love letter. There are departure directions. You know, have you, what are your last wishes? And that's why I founded, you know, Last Wishes Consulting to bring education uh, to the public uh, I'm a licensed pre-planning advisor for funerals in the province of Ontario. So I just want to add to your disclaimer, and I like your disclaimer, but I do not provide medical advice, financial advice, or legal advice. But I'll talk a bit about PPLSI, which is Pre-Planning Legal Services, Inc., and I uh, if anyone's interested in getting their will done, it's such an important uh, document, your wills, your power of attorney for personal care, power of attorney for property. I can point you in that the right direction for that. Well, and the, the reason that we have these disclaimers is because a lot of people, they'll take it as an offense if there's no disclaimer, you know, like you didn't warn me, you didn't give me up, you know. And I always try to give trigger warnings or anything like that, especially when we're talking about the heavier subjects like grief. Uh, gr for some reason, grief is a topic that scares a lot of people. It traumatizes a lot of people. It brings up a lot of emotions. We talked about that even before we went live. You know, you you had asked if it was okay to talk about certain things. I, I'm okay with my grief. But a couple of years ago, I was not okay with my grief. I was going through the complicated grief little things would set me off and I'd be like, no, I can't do that. I'm going to, I'm going to just avoid that. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to avoid it. It's going to go away. But we all know grief doesn't go away. It, you know, it's there and we have to deal with it. So, uh, but for the li listeners out there and viewers that are listening and that will listen to the replay later, we're here to bring you the education and to bring you the awareness that there are services out there. Um, myself, I didn't even know there was bereaved services out there until I lost my father in 2016. I never knew of any services before that. Uh, and that's my attachment with bereaved families is I just went for a walk when my dad died and I found this place and I was like, what is that? Like, what kind of service is that? And then I went home and I asked my spouse and he's like, well, that's for people who lost somebody. And I'm like, well, I just lost my dad. So that's what I need. So, and that's how I came upon, you know, the moving and finding bereaved families. But Leslie, how did you find bereaved families? So a dear friend of mine uh, died in 2018. Actually, two of my friends died one in 2016 and one in 2018. My uh, girlfriend and tennis partner, she was only 49. And two years later, or actually 13 months later, my other friend, uh, I had attended high school with him, we were friends, and he died at the age of 51. And ironically, uh, where they both live, there was no hospice. Uh, they had been sick for quite some, while, some time, number of years, 
And they ended up, um, again, coincidentally, ironically, dying at the same hospital. And I was there with their families. And when they died, there were similar situations with teenage daughters and aging parents and siblings with busy lives of their own. And no conversation had been had with what their last wishes were. So I was grieving. I didn't know what to do. I started Googling. I um, was able to share a chapter in a book called Bold Spirit Caring for the Dying. I wrote a chapter called Serenity and Mindfulness. And I was grieving. And it was a bit of a complicated uh, grief because I, of the relationship, a lot of people were saying, well, why are you, you know, this is not a, a, a parent or a child or a, a, a spouse. Why are you grieving so much? But grief is very personal and I will never judge someone's grief. And I just started Googling and I writing. I found very therapeutic to write about my grief. It took some time. I'm very okay talking about it now, but you're right. You know, four, five, five years ago, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, you know, you're just, it, grief was just so heavy. And I have studied Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler, Megan Devine. There's so many tools, resources, podcasts, books. And then I was drawn to become a Willow end-of-life educator and planner and learning about that there are grief expressive arts therapy to um, cope with your grief and to talk about your grief. And yes, Bereaved Families of Ontario, another BFO. I was, of course, this was during COVID. I studied through them, took an intensive um, uh, several week long program to become a volunteer with BFO, to become a group grief support volunteer with BFO or Bereaved Families of Ontario. This was on Zoom. I would support uh, people in, in group for mixed loss and partner loss. Um, very tender. I knew my what I, my limits were and I did not uh, do any child loss. That's not my specialty. Um, but And so I, I did that for about a year on top of establishing Last Wishes Consulting and hosting Willow uh, End of Life uh, workshops on Zoom. Well, and I, with bereaved families, I found that it helped me understand why I was so angry at my dad. And then once I did the the, the support group for a loss of a parent, I realized that there were the, it was complicated grief. And complicated grief is hard because it's a grief that a lot of people would really judge fast and say, well, why are you grieving that? That's not connected. That and that wasn't because I for me it was my stillborn daughter that that I grieved. This was a child that was never born. So why are you grieving a child that was never born? You know, so there was a lot of that shame and guilt and why am I feeling these way? Why am I angry at my dad? You know, there was a lot of complicated grief. Uh, you know, and when we do complicated grief, it is hard because right away people were saying, well, that's not a family member. That's not somebody close to you. So why are you grieving that person? You know, and mm -hmm. I always tell everyone when I worked with bereaved families for three years on the board is nobody should be shooting on us and nobody should be questioning why we're grieving something, whether it's a pet, a building, a, a home, a child, uh, you know, a parent, nobody should question us. We're hurting absolutely, and, just, and let us express ourselves and let us get the support that we need, you know, and bereaved families has saved my life in many, many ways. It gave me a voice to speak out about grief because I was ashamed of my grief. I was scared of my grief, but I understood through the support system of bereaved families that I could share and it was okay to share, you know? So is that what you got from bereaved families as well? Yes. So I, I, um, you know, it was very helpful. And uh, I just found that helping others in a non judgmental space, I was able to bring active listening, 
to the role, even though it was a volunteer role. And even though it was on Zoom, you know, there were really um, individuals where for, for any, anything from um, death by suicide, some had lost both parents or close relatives to COVID and some had lost pets, some had lost their partners. So it was a wide variety of, you know, there's so many different types of grief and loss and the isolation. So I'm very familiar with um, bringing comfort and peace of mind and active listening in a non-judgmental space. And I just want to acknowledge Miss Liz that I have not lost a, a parent. I have not lost a, a child. And I want to just acknowledge and um, share warmth from my heart as as you carry your grief, your grief right now might be a lot, you've grown around it, right? Uh, but you will always carry it. So I'm just acknowledging that. And yes, um, the other role that I volunteer at for over three years is with Bereavement Ontario Network. So I've um, been a volunteer with York Region, Dufferin Region, and Simcoe Region. And the role is shifting a bit to a communications uh, role where I'll be teaming up with another member. So it's just a, a wonderful network to be part of along with the Death Doula Ontario Network that I'm a member of. So many death doulas, end of life doulas, educators in the end of life space that want to um, ease the burden. And I, I use the word ease as an acronym. So empower others to have the conversation is the E. A, advocate. Advocate for a person who's dying, that there are options, right? A lot of people want to die at home today. You don't have to die in hospital. If you want to die in hospital, that might, you know, that's an option. There's um, hospice. I'm an advocate and volunteer for hospice as well. So the S is support. I support individuals and their families through their end of life planning. And the E is educate. It's almost like teaching educational awareness. So we have a lot of common and today is my, actually my two year anniversary. Uh, I didn't even know this when I booked it, uh, but it just showed up in a, a, a memory on social media that I, you know, I went back to school in my fifties and got my uh, funeral pre-planning license with the Bereavement Authority of Ontario. So the BAO, anything to do with funerals, transfer services, cemeteries, anything to do with death care in the province of Ontario and pre-planning. I'm licensed to help anybody and provide information on pre-planning, pre-paying, pre-arranging your funeral in the province of Ontario. And I'm very knowledgeable on that. Well, Leslie, I really wanted to have you on Tea Time because I, when I did research on you, I found all these incredible organizations that you're a part of that I never even knew existed. And that's the reason why we do Tea Time is to bring awareness to these services that are out there. You know, if we don't bring the awareness, how do people find them? And I was really amazed on how many incredible organizations are out there that you're a part of. And the education is out there. The 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 support is out there, you know. Uh, so how did you find all of these incredible services? Again, when I, I took a course uh, in March of 2020, pardon me, it was June of 2020. A lot of happened at the beginning of 2020 when COVID started. And I uh, took a, a course, end of life uh, doula course through Douglas College. Of course, it was virtual. And then I found uh, Olga Nikolaev with the Death Doula Ontario Network. I've been a member uh, since June of 2020. And then I found BON or Bereavement Ontario Network. I found BFO. You know, there's just connections. And that's one of my um, strong things that I talk about is community. Yeah. Yes, grief community. I might, you know what, I may have lost some friends, my family. You know, at the beginning when I said, well, I'm going to found Last Wishes Consulting and I'm just talking about death and I'm pre-planning my funeral and I'm showing my kids what I've done. And they were a bit uh, scared, I will say. But now they just get it. 
because I, I looked at my my son and daughter and I said, um, so so I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm going to shift gears a bit because a lot of this has to do. Yes, I spoke about my two friends who died, mm-hmm. and and there is loss. But um, you know, I was married. You know, when you get married, you think it's going to be forever, and then something happened, and so I got I was divorced. I'm divorced. I'm happily divorced now. I'm very, very good, amicable uh, relationship. I'm very blessed uh, for that. And, uh, but that was in the beginning, that was a huge loss. I remember, you know, there's, I remember going to the doctor um, because my, my chest was hurting me and I couldn't breathe. And I, I really thought something uh, medically was wrong with me, but he checked me all out and, and everything and apart, you know, um, but he says, um, you have heartache, right? So that was, that was a huge loss. Um, then I was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease called Addison's disease. I've had it for 23 years. I ha- live with chronic pain, with chronic, uh, multiple chronic conditions. And so now I'm an advocate for people with invisible illnesses, with chronic conditions and rare diseases and grief and disability is something that I am venturing to study because we don't realize, um, and I wanna educate people on what it is to live with uh, a disability. So so there's, there's that loss. Then a few years, uh, when my son was eight years old, he was diagnosed with type one di- diabetes and no history of diabetes on either side of our family no 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 relative no grandparent i remember you know he was 8 years old we did his you know it just came out of the blue it it literally came out of the blue um and i will just share this i'm not giving any medical advice here but excess thirst and frequent urination are two of the key uh, symptoms anyway through all these these doctors and it, and it's like grief one of yeah. the things I was in such denial I remember putting two hours we were called to go to the hospital and I was working his dad was working we we booked we paid two hours for parking we said okay let's get this let's get them to redo the test because it's a mistake it's obviously a mistake my son does not have type 1 diabetes you know so but uh, here we are, and um, you know that. So that was. I went through a lot of guilt and blame. I had a stressful time. I didn't have a stressful pregnancy. He was very healthy when he was born, but just job-wise, a lot of things were going uh, on in my life, in my world at that time. New job. I had to move, new city, and I think it was just a very stressful time. And that's when I got diagnosed with Addison's disease as well. So the diagnosis, the divorce, the loss of health of child, and then it's, you know, loss of close friends and and loss of youth. I'll just say it, you know, going through menopause. It's nobody wants to talk about it because (laughs) we don't want to, oh, you're getting old and, oh, we don't want to, you know, um, you know, I, and I want to be clear. I, my grandmother lived to 100 years old. I wish everyone could live for as long as they could without pain and without suffering. Yeah. But one of the things is the reality of our mortality. And I saw what happened with my two friends not having the conversation with their families. And then I had two medical adrenal crisis that's with my addison's disease so from my home where i am now i had to call ems emergency medical services 911 from my home because i had a crisis one in 2014 and one in 2017 and i was taken to hospital by ambulance and my children my parents my sisters witnessed that and i realized i didn't have anything in order i didn't have my affairs in order, nobody, you know, passwords, uh, my my last wishes. So it was between 2016, when my girlfriend Michelle died, between 2017 of my second adrenal crisis, and 2018, when my friend Greg died, 
those were very pivotal moments for me that said, okay, what is my purpose? Yeah. And my purpose is an end of life educator and planner. And I want people to talk about it. And just like sex, talking about sex is not great. Right. Right? Everybody does it. Like, yeah. It, it's actually that movement came out. I remember it was in, you know, you know, and it's not, it actually promoted people to have safe, safe sex, talking about sex, right? Yep. And um, talking about death, really, you know, there can be better dying experiences for all if we plan for it and have the conversation. You know, over 55% of Canadian, on the practical side, more than half, way more than half. It's probably closer to 70. Uh, but the majority of Canadians do not have their wills. And I will say this number, I've studied it, it's pretty much a global number. So whether it's the US or in the Europe or UK, it's more than half and everyone needs a will. And that's really what I'm here to have the conversation as well as, you know, it could be from anything from organ donation or do you know about hospice, right? Hospice is not a death sentence. It's actually really wish people who are dying and palliative care, you know, could be given the option for hospice. I had a sooner, a lot sooner. Yeah. I have a dear friend who in her final days, her family, uh, and this is in Ontario, her dog was able to lie on the foot of her bed in hospice and come visit. And, you know, the whole family, it, it's like a bedroom setup. There's no machines beeping. And, you know, it was just like a bedroom setup. And it was just such a beautiful, uh, beautiful way to go. And so have an exit plan, have the conversation and write your letters. Tell your people now today that how much they mean to you, how much you appreciate them, how much you love them. Well, and I really appreciate you, Leslie, talking about your divorce and your son's health and all of that. And Addison, that's something else we have in common because I have a cousin who was diagnosed with Addison at the age of, I think he was 21. And you're the second person that I know of that has Addison's disease. It's not a really a out there illness. Like it, it really is an invisible illness. Um, they were traveling with my cousin and my cousin just could not breathe. He would, they rushed him to the hospital. His color changed. He was having trouble. And then they found out he had Addison's disease and then he was still a young boy. So he had to like, if he wanted kids in the future, he had to make decisions, you know, uh, if anybody would like to know more about Addison's disease, please check and please reach out to Leslie. You know, like, like I said, Leslie, you're the second person that I know of that has it. My cousin has it. He, he talks about it a bit, but he doesn't really know about it or speak about it or maybe he's you know trying to understand it himself so and you know I've had Addison's disease for 23 years okay and it's only recently because you know I don't it's that whole judgment thing right yep. and I don't you know I was working full-time full very you know I had I had hard times right balancing bringing up young kids, uh, marriage. I had a long commute, very stressful. So Addison's disease is a stress disorder. And basically autoimmune means something in your body. Uh, so in my case, my own body attacked my adrenal glands, which are little walnut size glands that sit on top of your kidneys. I didn't even know anything about adrenal glands, um, but my body does not produce cortisol. And cortisol is the stress hormone and it impacts hundreds of things in the body. So this is the whole end of life planning as well, right? And and yes, now it used to be one in 100,000 people diagnosed with Addison's. I think it's according to the Canadian Addison Society, which I'm a member of, there are now, it's closer to six, six people per 100,000 in Canada. Anyway, that's how rare it is. So yeah. I hope your cousin is okay. But yeah, I never talked about it because 
two things. I didn't want anybody feeling sorry for me. Yeah. That, and that's yeah. Right. I, you know, but I wanted compassion and understanding and some people still don't understand. So I can't do, I have to plan. I have to plan. Um, there's somebody who came up with the spoon theory. Uh, I'm a spoonie um, or a zebra. You know, I'm rare. I'm proud to be rare. I can't do, I can't do two things like two night, like I'll do this and I'll be sleeping. Right. <laughs> I'm done for today. That's it. And, yeah, and I can't like, if I have a birthday party or, you know, there's a celebration, a family thing, or I want to do something on the weekend. I, okay. That's my one thing. And then the next day I have to rest. So my whole world is around decreasing the stress avoiding the mess and reducing the distress. So in end of life, so stress, mess, distress. I don't want anybody to have any of that. And when I talk about, yeah, so we talk about stress, stress, death can be stressful, grief yes. can be stressful, loss. But if we plan, we talk about it um, and you know what your loved one wanted, you know, what are their last wishes? Have the conversation. It's not morbid. I can guarantee you it is not morbid. It's actually the one of the best things that you can give to your loved one is talking about it and planning for it. The other thing is mess, right? It could be right now I'm actually decluttering. There's this thing called Swedish death cleaning. I'm getting rid of all my, um, I'm I, you know, I don't, paper i'm filing i'm getting organized i'm donating i'm selling i'm slowly downsizing yes i have a lot of books i like to collect books i like to read books a lot of them are grief and then i got a little free library i don't know if you've heard of that but right yes. outside my house i have one of those little free libraries and i'll be sneaking uh once a month a book on grief in there because i want that's part of how i educate my my community I don't want to overwhelm the whole community. I wanted to call it Leslie's Grief Library, but I said, okay, not everybody is as, you know, embracing this as me. But that's yeah. part of the whole grief literacy. So that's really who I am. And it's all about family, right? Um, the F is for forgiveness. A is for added stress. M is for the mess. I is the inconceivable emptiness and the, you know, talk about legacy. So you don't have that, right? Le L is the legal, right? And like, you know, get your, get your affairs in order. Your, your, everyone needs a will, uh, power of attorney for personal care. That's how you want to be, you know, it, and it could even not even to do with dying, but yeah. if something, if I had a stroke, how, who is going to have authority in how to take care of my body? And same with the power of attorney. We call it power of attorney for property in the province of Ontario. I need to, I've assigned someone to take care of my finances if I am unable to speak about that. And then the why is your distress, like your mental health. You, this will ease the stress and the burden on your loved ones if you just have the conversation. And I, and I think it's really deeply important that we bring this topic to the table, you know, because when people pass, if we're talking about it before they pass, we're preparing ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't mean that the grief won't be as hard. It just means that you're prepared. It's just like going to a job interview, you prepare yourself, you're going to a new school, you prepare yourself, you know, we're preparing ourselves for death, because it's, it's going to happen to all of us. We're all born and we're all going to die, you know, and we shouldn't be afraid of death. We should have the open conversation over the table. What would you like if something would happen to you? And we have people that are dying at any age. So we can't just say when you're when you're older or, or that there's children that are passing. What would they like? For their last wish and i really love that your your consulting business is called last wishes because for me it was a dandelion that's why i put it in the video is when you some see that as a weed but sometimes people see death as a weed as well so if we look at it in a different perspective and we blow it and we let it open we can see the beauty in death you know 
Oh, you are, your words are, are beautiful. And it's interesting that uh, I was decide, debating on what background uh, to use. And I'm going to have you hopefully as a guest on my grief lounge with Leslie. I've just started, you know, I've only had one episode so far, but I have a background uh, with uh, the dandelion blowing in the wind. So we think so much alike and um you know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome if you could be a guest on my grief lounge with Leslie. I do want to just hope hope your cousin is okay. Back to the Addisons. You know, twenty three years. I never really talked about it until an opportunity came up for me to co-author a chapter in my second uh, uh, book, and this is called "Uncover Your Light: Empowering Stories of Hope and Resilience." So this came out last. October, just after Thanksgiving, and it's with 19 other women sharing their stories. And I decided, you know what, it was time. It was time for me to share my story so I can help others, because I firmly believe that sharing our stories of invisible illnesses empowers us to recognize that we are not alone, okay? And I didn't want any judgment, employment, or discriminate. You know, it would be discrimination if somebody, if an employee were to discriminate someone. But I said, you know what? It's time for me, me to share my story because if somebody invites me to play, you know, my favorite sport, tennis, I have to pray. I, I have to really plan for that, right? Yeah. There'll be a lot of. I used to play all the time, but now I have to plan for everything. I have to plan everything. Heat, I have to plan for any kind of event that might not be stressful for other people, I have to plan for it. So I wrote a chapter called uh, From Pain to Purpose. And again, talk about, you know, the pain I'm in. And now my purpose as an end of life educator and planner and founding Last Wishes Consulting, I really have found my calling as an empath. Well, and I think sometimes our griefs put us on a journey, right? That we might have not ever seen had we not lost someone that was what happened to me when my dad passed I didn't know about bereaved families and once I did the support groups and, and did the support group for my daughter and all of that I was like I want to know more I want to know how I can help my community I want to understand grief more you know so how do you do that you get involved you get you you volunteer your time a lot of these services you can volunteer your time you know you can go in you can talk and you can get all the different people out there that don't know about the services. Like, there's a lot of things that I learned about bereaved families once I found them. But before, I, did, I didn't even know there were services. Hospice, I never even knew about hospice until 2016. And I was like, wow. Oh, no, it was 2015 when I found out about hospice because I started doing events for hospice, jamming for hospice. And I didn't even know what hospice was. I was like... What is this name? What what is this place? Like, is that where people like where do people go? Like what kind of people go there? Like it's a nice name, hospice. It sounds calming and relaxing, but I never even knew what hospice was until I got involved with it. And then I found out that it was very a peaceful environment. It's like you said, Leslie, it's like you said, like there's no beeping machines. There's no, you know, it's very open and very homey. It's like going in your bedroom and, and just sitting and watching TV, bringing your pets in, reading a book, do some coloring, you know. Uh, and I will add to that, that uh, there are typically the different kinds of, of hospice. So the hospice that we've sort of been talking about up until now uh, is um, has beds. Some are five bed, six bed, 10 bed hospices in various cities around the world. And we need more hospice. Usually yes. they're government funding and, and a small amount, but they're typically rely on fundraising and donations. I, um, where I live in the city of Markham, which is just north of Toronto, Canada. The hospice I volunteer for is called Evergreen Hospice. And the bereavement support, I found um, Evergreen Hospice when I, my mother-in-law died in hospice in a different city in west of Toronto. It was a little too far for us to go, uh, but hospice 
Yes, other than the physical space, hospice, it could be a, a building with beds, but hospice is also offered to and brings the services to people's homes. So where I live, there are no beds. We're hoping one day that there's a, a, a building with beds that people can go to. I would love to die there. Um, but right now I'm hoping, planning to die in my home. But you know what? Don't know. But it's the bereavement support. So I've volunteered with hospice doing bereavement support. And it's just phenomenal. Again, they have group support. And it's just fundraising, such, you know, hike for hospice is a big thing in the month of May. It's an incredible uh, opportunity. And, and and for anybody that wants to get any information on these services, uh, Leslie, what's the best way to find them? So, you know, just if you just Google hospice and then your city, you'll be able to uh, find them. We can, if anybody is in Ontario and needs help with that, I can certainly uh, look for you, help you. But it's typically, um, there's Canadian Hospice Association, there's national hospice, there's national associations, but it's pretty much more and more are being uh, built. And uh, we've just got to get the word out that this is an option for people at end of life. And I, I think people are starting to talk about death. You know, I think when we when we had to stay at home and we had to really look at family life and you know when we were locked down we had to find different services we we googled more we used the services more you know uh, a lot of the virtual events that were being given during that time you know uh so during that time there was a lot of people that were stuck at home so a lot of people did die at home they did that, uh, you know, they couldn't go to the hospital or the hospital would take them and then the family wasn't able to say their goodbyes that way. So how do you feel since since COVID has passed and the pandemic has passed? How do you feel, Leslie, on the services now for bereavement? Oh, the, they've just I think they have just, you know, exponentially, you know, they were they were they were good and great before. But I firmly believe that it brought out, you know, the pandemic COVID and the uh, more deaths that we're having uh, has definitely empowered people to have the conversation and realize that there are these incredible resources like hospice and that you don't need to go it alone. There's so many people volunteering with hospice. If anybody's looking for a place to donate, it's a you know, they rely heavily on fundraising. But yeah, grief support in general, whether it's a bereavement uh, network, an organization, it is needed for all kinds of loss. Definitely the loss of life, uh, bereavement. Um, hopefully one day there will be workplaces that can give, you know, I'm advocating for people to have more than just three days time off when your loved one has died. So I think we still have a long way to go, but it's definitely improved from what it was uh, before COVID. So we have a question here. What is green burials? I'm glad you asked that. So green burials is just a more environmentally friendly option. Now, depending on whether you live in a city or whether you live, you know, it, close to me, because I live in a city, there are hybrid cemeteries which have sections of a cemetery that you could have a green burial. And there's no, there's, there's restrictions on what can be allowed. For example, no embalming of the body isn't allowed. Sometimes there is a wicker casket or a shroud that is used and the body, the decedent is placed into the ground. There are, um, the, there would be, probably wildflowers growing. The grass is not mowed. It's just a very natural burial resting, final resting place. There would be no tombstones or grave gravestones allowed, no markers. You could have maybe a plaque nearby or a natural stone. And uh, it is definitely um, becoming more and more popular 
for example, in Niagara Falls and different parts of Ontario and definitely in British Columbia. I'm not sure where the um, person who put the post is, but it is definitely, um, I, love, I love the idea of a green burial. There's also, you know, it's not just, and that's what I do in, in my end of life education with Willow and with Last Wishes Consulting is it's not just about burial and cremation. There are so many more options. In Ontario, probably over 70% of people now are choosing cremation. And that's the typical flamed cremation that we think about. But there's also aquamation, which is water cremation. And yep, I've investigated it. And it is legal in some provinces. It's not yet legal in British Columbia, but there are places in Ontario that I, and if you go to my website, there is a podcast. You scroll down, lastwishesconsulting.com. I have a interview, what is aquamation from a couple of years ago. It's also called alkaline hydrolysis is the technical name for it, aquamation, water cremation. So there's so many different options. I don't want to take up. I know we're coming close to the no, end. No, 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 because I think it's important that people know that there's these services out there because, you know, so, yeah, we, so we've, we've come a long way from coffins and, you know, and and cremation. And there's so many different things. There's like glass blowing with ashes. There's, you know, uh, planting a tree. Yes, and, and scattering has become very popular as well in the province of Ontario. You can scatter cremated remains on crown land. So again, this is my whole, the pre-planning funeral, what I learned so much. I was a pallbearer at my grandmother's uh, funeral. So again, I think I mentioned she lived to 100. It's mostly women in our family. And when she died, there were six granddaughters who lived in Toronto. Some were still... Uh, out of the country. And my dad, as his mom, said, I would love if her six granddaughters who are here uh, be the pallbearers. And I think the church and the cemetery thought we were a little bit crazy uh, because even though she probably weighed less than 100 by that point, um, that casket was heavy. But you know what? She was such a strong woman in our lives. And I you know, we, we lowered her into the ground. And this is where my final resting place will be because I've done the research. And I know that um, I'll be the first in my family that is not going to have a traditional burial. And it's, it's okay to continue traditions, traditions, I believe in they're very uh, important. But if it's also okay to start new traditions, right? Right. So just based on my knowledge, you know, and I had the conversation with my children, I said, I'm planning to have my cremated remains, hopefully aquamation. Um, would you like them? And they said, no offense, mom, we love you, but we don't want to lug this <laughs> urn around, right? So uh, we, we talk very, it's, you know, it's an important conversation, but so I said, okay, right, I'm going to make my own plans and I've contacted the cemetery and I've given them all the documentation because my name now, James, I kept my married name and it's not what my maiden name is. I had to prove, I had to give three pieces of documents um, to show that I'm related to my grandmother. So when the time comes, they can open up the grave and I'll be added uh, and reunited with my grandmother there. So there's just a lot of things that we can we can discover over tea times like this, right? Right. We're almost at the hour. So before we get to the hour, I do want to get your tea, Leslie. So what tea would you give me if I ask you what your TEA is? So my tea is trauma and grief informed. I know that's a big tea, but, you know, medical trauma, I also will... Uh, have talked about uh, beyond trauma. I spoke at a global conference in March and it's how to move beyond trauma and trauma comes in different forms. There's hundreds, probably thousands of different kinds of trauma, but being informed so that we can support others and being, you know, informed about the different types of grief and how 
what what we can do in our different um, levels or areas or types of grief is so important. And do you want the E? I want the E and the A. What do you okay. got for me? E is obviously end-of-life education. I'm an end-of-life educator and uh, planner. So E is EOL or end-of-life education. And the A is advance, without the D, advance care planning. So this is planning that we do in advance. Some places call it medical directives, but in Ontario, we call it advanced care planning. And you can just look up advanced care planning Ontario or connect with me. I can help you get your advanced care plan in place so that others, if something were to happen to you, even, you know, you, dementia, dementia is so prevalent now. So whatever the medical condition or end of life condition, if you aren't able to speak for you, who can speak for you? Who is your substitute decision maker, right? So that is what that conversation is about. Well, thank you so much for sharing that strong T. Now I want to get to the three because I'm all about three because the TEA is three. And I see three colored hearts behind you. Oh, now, yes. I want to talk about those before we wrap up. So can you share a little bit on why those colors and what they're for? Thank you so much for asking, Miss Liz. So for those just tuning in, uh, this is my coaster from Jamaica. I was born in Jamaica. Yes, the flag is green and yellow and black, but typically red, gold, and green is, um, you know, reggae, and that's a vibrant color. I love bright colors. Red, gold, and green. So the red represents love, of course, right? The heart with red. Uh, yellow. So my when I did Willow, let me back up. When I reached out to Willow, I did a course on what are my core values from a list of 50 different words. And I realized I didn't have my core values established. So I wanted to set my core values. And three words that kept coming up when I dealt with people working with their grief and end of life were grief, fear, and pain. And I said, okay, what is Leslie about and how can I help others? with their grief, their fear, and their pain. So the L is love. That is my one of my core values. The C, uh, uh, pardon me, the W is um, wisdom. Acknowledges, um, knowledge is power. Wisdom is empowering. And the C is comfort. So red, gold, and green, love, wisdom, comfort. And I always signed off sign off my my emails with sending love, sharing wisdom, and offering comfort. Because I firmly believe that love softens grief, that wisdom embraces fear, and that comfort soothes pain. I think it's really deeply important bringing those colors in, talking about Jamaica. We took a trip to Jamaica tonight with Leslie. She, she's been in Canada since nine, but she still was born in Jamaica. So we went to Jamaica, Leslie style, you know, and, and we really have to just look at different things in different perspectives, different eyes. It's just like that dandelion. Don't look at it as a weed. Look at it as a wish, the last wish the end of life. And that's what Leslie talked about tonight on Tea Time. So I really want to thank you, Leslie, for sharing all the wisdom and the comfort and the love that you brought to the table tonight. It really is empowering. You give hope and inspiration to the people out there that are maybe afraid of it. So let's take the fear out of it and let's start talking about death at an, in a new way. Let's start talking about it with tea. Grab a tea and get the love, the comfort, and the wisdom out there. And we all can make a difference when we serve one another. So I want to thank you, Leslie, for joining. I want to thank all of the supporters that joined in. And for all the viewers that listen to the replay, please push hashtag replay. I'd love to know where you're tuning in from. If you have any questions and you'd like to reach Leslie, you can reach her at her website at lastwishesconsulting.com. Uh, again, Leslie, thank you so much for sitting and having tea with me and having so much similarities in our stories. It really, truly is an honor. 
I will see everybody not next week, but the week after because Miss Liz is going on vacation. So I will be back on July 27th with three strong men. We did three strong women today. And when I end the month of July, we're going to do three strong men. And that's just how we grow. We, we equal it on both sides. So I want to thank everybody. And I will see you on July 27th at 10 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with a new cup of TEA for you. Thank you so much, Miss Liz. It was a delight to be a guest on your tea time. Well, thank you so much.